What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Minor to Major, How to Win in This Unfair Game of Life. I'm going to throw you all a twist today. I've got so many different things that I'm going to hit on today. I'm not going to stick to one topic. I'm going to mix it up between about four different topics that I'm going to be bringing to you all. Real quick, I got to give my shout outs to StreamYard. I am recording this on StreamYard. If you are watching on YouTube, it is StreamYard. I am uh, using the background music, music feeding the ducks. Like this is my jam right here. It's on loop. Look, uh, listen to that beat. You can't hear it? Okay. Look. Yeah. Turn my headphones up. No. But anyways, <clears throat> y'all, that's my jam. Feeding the ducks uh, on StreamYard. I am bringing it to you straight from M2M Studios. I am your host, Jeremiah Rankins, licensed professional counselor. I am unequivocally real on this podcast i'm bringing it to you all and i'm not having no shame in my game so i'm going to be talking about some things that may strike some emotions and feelings but listen i want you all to stick with me rock with me this is not the therapist coming out but <clears throat> some of the things are coming from a therapist perspective you all i talk about winning all the time i talk about how you could win in this unfair game of life uh, because there's just so many opportunities for us to thrive. There's so many opportunities for us to be great, especially in the United States of America. A lot of a majority of my viewers are here in the States. Some are in Germany, of course, India. Uh, but uh, for the most part, a lot of the population are males in the United States. And so that's basically who I'm going to address in this particular episode, you all. So without further ado, I want to share something with you all today. Uh, that is probably, I think it's very important for you all to hear my story, my experiences, because we can learn from each other. Uh, so the other week I had put in, uh, some applications, right. For some employment, some employment opportunities. And the reason why I did this is because quick disclaimer, very vulnerable, um, I want to put my children on insurance. I want to put myself on health insurance, uh, just my family in general. And so, you know, that gets expensive. It's very expensive. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to get me another job, full-time job, have two jobs. Um, one being my company, Minor to Major LLC, and then um, whatever company I work for. And... I'm no pushover. So I've got experience. I've got education. I've got, you know, lots of training and I'm good at what I do and, and transforming lives, speaking with the utmost humility, of course. And so, you know, when I walk into rooms, I pretty much demand my salary that I request. And if, you know, you don't want to give it to me, that's cool. Fine and dandy. Um, but it's always disheartening. It's always a punch in the gut whenever uh, I get turned away and it's because of my criminal background. Let's see here. 2009. Let's count from 2009. I was released from prison. Uh, 2019 would make that 10 years. So it's been, um, you know, 13 years plus. Uh, 
Wow. So I got released uh, this month, uh, 12 days, 14 days ago, uh, you know, and um, 13 years ago. And, uh, you know, because I've got felonies on my record, it bars me from getting into certain positions, certain agencies, certain organizations. You know, one of my passions is working in jails and prisons. Like, that's what I want to do. And uh, the reason for this is because people who are going down the wrong road or have gone down the wrong road, made poor decisions, need to see other people who have made those poor decisions in the past or similar decisions in the past hear and see. They need to be able to put eyes and see somebody who is uh, experiencing success uh, after they've messed up. And so I've constantly done everything I possibly can to position myself to serve uh, convicted felons or uh, those who are in the juvenile probation department and get paid for doing it. You know, I don't ask too much because ultimately I want to serve. And if I want to be in a position to serve, I want to be in a place to where I, it doesn't seem like work to me. It's more of my duty, my mission, my purpose. Like this is something bigger. Um, so anyways, I got turned away, y'all. We were not even halfway in to the interview. I had filled out some documents because they needed my uh, CPR certification. They needed uh, my license and my social for the background and stuff. And I was filling out some documents. They, they, so there was two ladies, white ladies. One was sitting in front of me. The other one was looking over the paperwork. I answered one question about why uh, do I want to work in a jail? And I answered that question. I was, I was very transparent. I was, hey, listen, my first experience, um, uh, my first real experience where it struck a chord in my heart was uh, Harris County Juvenile Probation, my master's degree program. Y'all stick with me. So during this master's program, I had to get an internship at the juvenile probation. And when I went to the jail, when I went to the actual detention, there was nothing but black and brown kids, nothing but black kids on the units. And I said, damn. So I said, maybe this is just segregated. Maybe they got gangs. So I go to a different floor, different unit, nothing but black kids. And so I want to stop that cycle in any capacity I possibly can, whether it's small or big, I want to make an impact on stopping the recidivism amongst lower income or black and brown communities, period. So there's no there's no favor there because all people I want to stop everybody, but black and Hispanics, mainly blacks overcrowd prisons. And I don't blame the system for that. So I don't entirely blame the system for all of that. OK, there's things that we can do uh, to prevent our own from us from going in. And so anyway, so that's a little background story. And I said it a whole lot more crisp and clear and uh, professional in the room. And before the lady had asked the second question, the second, the, the one uh, that was reading my paperwork, she said, hey, whoa, 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 stop. I don't want to waste your time. I already knew what she was stopping at. It was my convictions that I admitted to on the paperwork. She was like, so you got convicted of these felonies? <laughs> yes, ma'am. I did serve five years. Yeah, so I don't want to waste your time. You're not going to get past um, the background approval. Like, they're just not going. No felonies. Like, it, we. I don't want to waste your time. I'm sorry. And so she's looking at me, 
and uh, the other white lady in the room. I said, that's fine. Thank you. And I peace out. And for me, I mean, I probably, I mean, what do you do? What do you do? So there was a recruiter who reached out to me from corporate or whoever else uh, in Dallas somewhere. And they said, hey, um, we like your resume. We want to bring you in. On my resume, of course, I don't say, hey, I'm a convicted felon. I've got two major felonies and I served five years on my resume. So I said, awesome, great. So I drove an hour, took the toll road, paid money. And um, I went down here to this uh, job interview. And I get turned away because of uh, felonies. Uh, convictions in 2004. In 2004. Almost 20 years. 18 years. 18 years ago. 13 since I was released from prison. And um, yeah, so I took that L, you all. But what do you do after that? Real quick. Real quick. I'm going to do a rapid fire on on three things. And then I'm going to go to what do you do when you fall down? What do you do when you take these L's? How do you recover? Because at the end of the day, this podcast is about how to win. How to win in this unfair game of life. And I'm about to share with you all tips on how I recover. How do I bounce back? How do I thrive after getting knocked down? Rapid fire. So you all, I'm going to be honest with you. A couple years ago, I didn't know Roe v. Wade. I don't really care about the whole Roe v. Wade and the women's, like, it's just not near and dear. It does. It's not near and dear to my heart and our rights. And if they take this away from us, they're going to take everything else. Like, I've been known about this system. So it doesn't surprise me. But if you all are kind of confused or didn't understand what is Roe v. Wade or who is Roe v. Wade, I'm going to give it to you all, okay? Because I think it's important for us to know these things. I'm going to give you all some background. <clears throat> what does Roe v. Wade refer to? Roe v. Wade is the name of the lawsuit that led to the landmark 73 U.S. Supreme Court decision establishing a constitutional right to abortion in the United States. The majority found the majority opinion found an absolute right to abortion during the first trimester of pregnancy. So hold on. Hold on. It's a lot of um, a lot of jargon there. But Jane Roe was a pseudonym for Norma McCorvey. I don't know why. Maybe to protect her uh, privacy during the case. But Jane Roe, a pseudonym for Norma McCorvey. She was 22, unmarried and unemployed and pregnant for the third time in 1969 um, when she sought out to have this abortion. She ended up having that baby. Uh, she had a baby girl and she gave it up for adoption. Henry Wade was the district attorney. So the DA, the prosecutor for the state of Texas. Surprise, surprise. So he was the prosecutor for the state of Texas. And it was his job to enforce a state law prohibiting abortion except to uh, save a woman's life. So he was the person McCorvey sued when, when she sought out uh, the abortion. Okay. Um, so I, I hope that gives context. Roe is Jane Roe, a.k.a. the pseudonym for Norma McCorvey. The pseudonym for Norma, Norma McCorvey and Henry Wade, Roe v. Wade was a district attorney of Dallas County, Texas. Okay. 
And so in this pro court proceeding, it said that uh, after she had sued in 1973, I believe, the decision had came down that it is a, a, a constitutional right for a woman to have her pri personal privacy. And so that saying it's not against the law to have an abortion. So that was overturned uh, recently. Okay. And so it, it gave the right back to the states to make that decision. But anyways, I just wanted to give you all some context. What is the whole Roe v. Wade rapid fire? Brittany Gardner. So Griner, not Gardner, Griner. I know a Gardner. But anyways, Griner, Brittany Griner. Some of you all are unfamiliar with this, but Brittany Griner was apprehended in Russia. And she was apprehended in Russia because it was said that she had some kind of vape pen with THC or some fire drugs that she was bringing in. Maybe she didn't have a whole bunch, but she was bringing it in from Russia. So here's the thing with this, okay? And this is my personal opinion. Did Brittany Griner have that? Or was this some type of uh, deploy or um, a, a lie to get her strung up and use her as a political pawn? No. That's not my opinion. I think she did have the dope. She had the THC and she thought she could sneak it through, but no. Okay. And so because this was something that she was trying to sneak in, I don't know how much she had, but it is my belief that she did have THC, the vape pen, whatever. She had it. It is my opinion. I believe that. And um, I believe that she was apprehended that is a big offense in some countries i don't know about russia but smuggling drugs is a huge offense if that is not acceptable if that is not allowed in the united states of america legally in all 50 states and she was flying it in she was going to break the law what happened she got apprehended in russia she's been over there a few months in lockdown and Americans are like, bring her home. She broke the law, folks. She broke the law. Now, am I am I against people who break the law? Because I am a convicted felon. I did serve time. No, I, I, I'm not against that. But she has to pay the consequences. You know, this goes into my next segment on a rapid fire about some of the Americans that went in to fight the Ukrainian war. Folks, this is the life that you chose. This is the decision that you made. And so we're not going to call on our president to get in the middle of this. And there's already tension with the, the war in Ukraine and, and Americans going over there. And we're supporting the bill on, on their arms. And, and then on top of that, look, we're going to come over there and get Brittany Griner if we have to fight. Like, it's not happening. Brittany Griner got to do her time. Like, she messed up. And her career is lively to be over if she's in there a year, two years. Like she, her year, her, her, it's probably over. She, she got locked up for doing drugs and trying to smuggle it. This is my opinion. This isn't the counselor uh, in me. And if she were to be released and returned back to the state, she wouldn't get a slap on the wrist. They would let her continue her, her, her practice and she would go and compete and she'd play basketball. That's not how it is for you and I. It, that's not how it would be if you or or I, especially I, were to get locked up over there for trying to bring THC over here. It probably wouldn't be. It would not make the news. So it is what it is, folks. Brittany Griner, do your time. Ride it out.
I hope you get a good attorney and I hope they're fair over there with you. But this it's not the United States and you knew what you were doing. So be gangster, sis. Okay, rapid fire. Americans going over to fight the war in Ukraine. If you didn't know, there's at least two, at least two uh, that made headlines that uh, were apprehended. They were caught, captured prisoners of war in Russia. They are American citizens. Now, these two American citizens who were captured uh, made the conscious decision as friends, homeboys, veterans of the United States military to go over there. They bought their own tickets. They teamed up with some some troops over there in Russia, and they was like giving them good tactical training. And look, we do this over here in America, and we're going to help you. And they got captured, swooped up by them Russians. And then on the news comes out, hey, uh, Biden helped bring our troops home and they're Americans and, and this, that, and that. Look, look, th again, choices, choices. Then folks made the decision to go over there and fight the war. What are we doing? What are we doing? Americans are not. They made the choice to go over there and fight. And so they got captured. Now they're, they're being used as pawns and they're doing videos and the Russians have them, folks. Somebody had said a political leader in Russia said that uh, their offenses were um, <clears throat> their offenses were um, they could face the death penalty, basically. And the death penalty over there looks like a, a gunfire, gunshot. I forgot what that's called. Um, but anyways, they, they could face the death penalty when they went over there to fight the war. They were willing to go over there and die for Ukraine or whatever reason. So going over there, they knew what they were doing. Their families, they put their families in that position. And so now they're they're coming out on the world news and they're coming out on the news. Oh, I hope uh, Joe Biden and I hope we can, you know, bring back our father, bring back our husband. Look, they made that decision. They knew what they were doing when they went over there and they knew they were putting you in that position when they went over there. I'm sorry, folks. No sympathy. You all, this is Jeremiah with Minor to Major. I am bringing, I told you I'm raw, I'm up front, and we are getting at 20 minutes um, in this, this short cast. And so I'm going to start wrapping it up. I'm going to bring it back to how do I bounce back from taking the L, okay? Let's talk solution. So I did rapid fire. I ranted on about three uh, different things. Really, Roe v. Wade was just giving you all some background, some some history you know what i'm saying like what is this whole roe v wade we know it has something to do with abortion uh but where did this roe and the wade come from and so that's I, I wanted to give you some background on that but the other two were rants britney griner and those americans who went to go fight in ukraine look no sympathy okay all right so back to it how do i bounce back from taking the l i wish i could show it to you all but i have a vision board and I've gone away from the vision board. And on this vision board, every so often, every couple of years, what I do is I write down certain goals that I want to accomplish. What do the lifestyle that I want to live, uh, how I'm going to get there, like a plan, and then the ultimate goals uh, that will help me live the lifestyle that I want to live. And so uh, I did it a few years ago in grad school and there were big goals. I had maybe 15 goals on there. And uh, one of the big, I think the biggest one was having my private practice. I'm here. I have it. I'm in the studio in my uh, private practice right now where I create content. I see patients and clients and 
I write the reports like I'm here. I'm doing it. It's a blessing. Now what? Moving forward. And so I just shared with you all that I was trying to get employment and that is a means to get to the next season of my life. Okay. And so anyways, what do I do to bounce back from taking these L's? I go back to the drawing board, literally the drawing board. I identify certain things that I want in a life. What do I want? The lifestyle that I want to live. How do I get there? The ultimate goal. What does it look like? Five years, two years. What does it look like? What am I going to be driving? What am I going? Where am I going to be living? What does my day-to-day -day, uh, duties look like for me to get paid and live the lifestyle that I want? All of that gets put on the vision board. And that's what we're going to do. We're going back to the drawing board. And every time I get kicked down, every time I get uh, knocked out, um, this is how I get back up. Go to the drawing board. And we have to do this constantly, folks. We have got to do this on a, on a consistent basis. We have to go back to the drawing board and revisit things, how to process the loss and then how to bounce back from it. And this is how I do it. This is how I've managed to accomplish so much with the help of my peers and family and my loved ones. Um, because let's let's be honest, I didn't do this by myself. But uh, nevertheless, I, I've made it this far and it, it all starts with a plan. And um, if I can give you anything today, you all, it's take it to the John board, create a vision board, identify your wants, identify your plan on how to get there and the lifestyle that you want to live. And then uh, also identify what is your day to day look, look like? What is the ultimate goal where you're trying to go, what you're trying to live? What does that look like? And so that's what I'm about to do, you all. I'm about to get to it and uh, I'm about to pray on it and I'm about to come out with W's. Like I'm about to win the next few years. I'm about to attack it. And this is how you become successful. This is how you all do it. And, um, you know, I could share my story a hundred times over. I'm not going to on this episode, but you all, everyone faces adversity. Everyone faces stress, anxiety. Everyone gets knocked down in this world. Some of us have more advantages than others with financial resources, uh, peer, uh, uh, role models, uncle who is a doctor, or, um, you know, a cousin that is a big time lawyer can teach us the ropes and guide us and mentor us. Some of us have better starting points than others. But for the most part, we all get knocked down. It's what do we do to get back up and thrive? How do we win in this unfair game of life? This is Jeremiah Hope. You all enjoyed another episode of how to win in this unfair game of life, because in the Americas, we are living in a rich economy and there's no excuse for you not to win. Thank you all.